Good morning. Good to be here with y'all. Um, they always say the worst thing that someone can do is uh, set expectations too high for whoever's coming in to speak to you, and I feel like Randy did that, so thank you, Randy. Uh, as he said, my name is James Daniels, and it's good to be with y'all this morning. If you uh, have your Bibles or uh, Pew Bible or even, obviously, as printed in your order of worship, uh, we'll be reading from Ruth this morning. Uh, let me, first of all, just start with this. I want to say thanks to this congregation. Without God using you guys, uh, and this is not an overstatement, without your generous support uh, and your prayers, we probably would not be in existence as a church. So thank you for that, and I praise God on your behalf. And today I want to remind you what you have invested in as a parent church of a mission church like ours, but even more so, I hope that you will be encouraged by some of the things that we share, not just from our experience, but in looking at the book of Ruth today and and Scripture uh, in this way. So one of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Ruth, which is odd to some folks. It's a small book in the Bible uh, about love and pain and suffering, but we're also going to talk about this today. It's also about hospitality, and I think that's something people miss often. So let's think about this. What can we learn today from this passage in Ruth relating to what it means to welcome others, include others, especially those that are not like us, which, if you look at Jesus' words, is fundamental to us ever flourishing and thriving as a people of God. Let's stand as we, we uh, read our passage for the day. Let me pray for us real quick. God, take this passage, uh, illuminate our hearts, penetrate our souls. May we see a bigger picture of you and your son and what you would have us to do in your kingdom as a result of these words today. Ruth 2, 14 through 16 says this, And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. And so she sat beside the reapers, and he passed the roasted grain to her, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean. And do not rebuke her. May God bless the reading of his infallible, sufficient uh, word. And uh, you may be seated. So throughout his life, to many people, especially the religious folks, Jesus seemed like, and they accused him of this all the time, seemed like he was spending too much time at dinner parties. Um, earning him a reputation as a drunkard, a glutton, and the friend to the wrong sorts of people. Now, that's the Jesus that people don't talk about much. You ever notice that? And it's not a ministry model that many churches follow, but that's also the Jesus that as a pastor and a church planner that I've come to fall in love with. This may be the reason the first purchase, and maybe y'all have heard this, that we made at our church to reach out to folks and grow our church was a church smoker. That was our first major purchase that we had. 
Uh, and we have our own little barbecue team called Holy Smokes, obviously. Um, but from the beginning, Chelsea Perez, and as, as uh, Randy said, it's a church plant right outside of Birmingham uh, that you have deeply invested in. We've talked about how our mission of loving God and loving people and loving life should, by the grace of God, create and cultivate a family that feels like a household of God. A group of people that are not kin, that probably don't even share a common interest, but still experience what it feels like to have a real and authentic family. And we hear this probably more than any other thing about our church plant. People walk in and say, it just feels like family. Uh, Not too long ago, one of our newer members, uh, who is an older lady in our church, she said, you know, for a while in my life, due to a lot of things that went on in my life, I was starting to feel like an orphan. She said, now I know I have a family. But it's not just about God creating a family, but also cultivating a loving community. But how? When the passages before this in the book of Ruth that, that we're going to talk more about today, and many of you have already known the story. Ruth comes uh, to Boaz, his field, as a beggar, uh, not knowing that Naomi is kin to Boaz, uh, and he welcomes her to come behind his guys that were harvesting, even though she wasn't a part of his clan, even though, uh, despite the fact that she was a foreigner from Moab. Not only that, he invited her to stay with his group, to be a part of it, the other women that were associated with it, and he protected her. He told the other farmers that they better not uh, harass her or touch her in any way, and he said, you are welcome at any time if you're thirsty. You are welcome to drink water from the well, the, the water that we had pulled up from the well. Now, that's quite a gesture, right? I mean, she is such an outsider in that town of Bethlehem to their religion, to their way of thinking. Uh, and here's another thing that we have to think about. It's one thing to do nice things for folks, to be a decent human being, to even be the good Samaritan of people. But it's quite another thing to make them feel like they're a part of our family and a part of our community. So what's the difference? We're going to talk about that today. We're going to look at this passage right here in terms of two points. I know I'm, I'm, I'm messing up the, the standard three-point system uh, in sermons. We're going to look at two point, points today. And don't let that pastor trick fool you. It doesn't always mean it's going to be shorter. I'm just telling you that. So the first point we're going to look at today is how to include an outsider. Look at verse 14. It says, At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. I'm convinced that one of the worst experiences that you can have as a human being is to be in a situation where you feel like you do not belong. We all know the feeling of walking into a situation and immediately feeling like an insider. Now, through no fault of yours, uh, my wife and I feel a little bit about that today. Why? Because we don't know everybody in the room. Uh, we're not here day in and day out. We don't know uh, the, 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 the routines of the church. And so it's easy to feel that way even when people are being nice to you. And I'm not even talking about situations where you walk in and can tell that people don't want you here and just directly tell you you're not welcome here. I'm not even talking about those. I'm talking about these And these happen more often, and they're more common, where people indirectly make you feel like you're not wanted by ignoring you, walking right by you, acting like you don't exist. 
making you feel like no one cares and making you feel less than human. Ruth has, since she entered Bethlehem with Naomi, has felt like an outsider and a stranger and a foreigner from Moab, and she's probably starting to get used to this feeling. But I'm also convinced of this. One of the best experiences as a human being is to feel like that you do belong. And all of a sudden, as we see here, through one small gesture by Boaz, just an invitation, it changes the trajectory of Ruth's life forever. Over the last few years, uh, we have uh, been consistently inviting everyone we hadn't come in contact with, uh, everyone that we can think of, uh, even when it's time for us to do a gathering in my driveway or watching football games or whatever we might be doing, I'm always looking through my phone to see what contacts I have that I've made throughout the week and those sorts of things. And you're like, yeah, of course you're supposed to do that. You're a church planner. And I'm saying we all should be doing that. But I've also seen this through these invites that we've done. There have been people that say, you know, I'll show up at your party. I'll come to all your gatherings. Your barbecue's pretty good. I'll keep coming up for the free food. But, James, I'm just not the church-going type. I doubt I will ever go to your church. And i got three of those guys right now in my church that go show up every single Sunday. They're on my setup teams and all of that. It's just amazing how that happens just by invitations, just by talking to them uh, and including them in this. We all know it's, some, it's, it's one thing to do something nice for someone. It's quite another thing to invite them into your inner circle. It's one thing to buy people food or the whole pay it forward thing that you see people doing restaurant lines now. It's a whole, or, or even take food to people when they're sick. That's one thing. It's a whole another thing to invite them to your table to have a meal with you at your dining room table. But Boaz does just that. For Boaz, it's a small gesture. But for Ruth, it's a big invitation. Boaz has no agenda at this point. Make no mistake. It's not a romantic proposition. Heck, Ruth doesn't even work for him. And some might call her a freeloader. But not Boaz. He is just simply including her. And the result is, now she has a place at the table and a sense of belonging that she has not felt in a long, long time. And God's going to change her life through this in a mighty way. Here's the thing. At a church like ours at Chelsea Press, by the grace of God, I feel like we've done a good job of creating a table or creating tables at different places for those that are coming in and those sorts of things. Matter of fact, uh, today at y'all's church reminds me a lot of what our church is every Sunday. When you walk into our church, it's in a cafeteria, and we have a, a, um, a brunch, uh, sausage casseroles, you know, breads, things like that, coffee, all of those things. And people walk up, and they're walking into a table immediately up that. And then the same thing like here today, we end with every Sunday uh, at communion. So I always tell people our service at our church starts at a table, ends at the table. Uh, and that's kind of the pattern of that. And people notice that. But here's my hope, more than that, that my congregation will begin to do the same thing in their houses and in their driveways that we're doing at church and I'm doing in my house in, in, in my driveway uh, and that, that in their neighborhoods. And here's the thing. When you do, it will change people's lives. You may say, I don't know my neighbors. I'm amazed at how many people don't even know their neighbors. You may say, I don't know my neighbors or I know my neighbors, but I don't like them. <laughs> you know what God would say to you? That's even more of a reason 
to invite them into your home. This is one of the things Jesus is talking about when he's saying, love your enemies. Treat them like a human being. Invite them in. You might be surprised. Maybe you don't hate them as much as you thought you did. Or it might, it might be the opposite way. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but here's another thing. We will never know the effect of how God may use that to change people's lives forever. And I've seen it time and time again at the church plant. Uh, we had, and, and, and here's the interesting thing. That, that, that When you first start doing this, this is what people uh, kind of respond to. We had a, a guy, the last the gathering before last, we had uh, a guy from Persia, a guy from India. Uh, we had uh, African-American. We had whites. We had Republicans. We had Democrats. Believe it or not, we even had Alabama and Auburn fans all coming together <laughs> and getting along. Uh, but one of the guys there, uh, the, the guy from India, he said, why are you doing this? And uh, he said, are y'all looking for donations? I'm like, no. He said, are you going to try to talk to me about coming to your church? I'm like, no. I think you can if you want. That's not why I'm doing it. Like, are you going to talk to me about Jesus? And I said, if you want to talk about Jesus, I'll talk to you about that. He said, why are you doing it? And I said, are you enjoying the food? Do you feel treated like a human being? Do you feel the love from the people here? He said, yes. I said, that's it. We're not talking about a return on investment here. We're not talking about an equation. And when you get over that, there's a freedom to where we're not out there trying to convert people. We're just treating them like human beings. And people also feel relaxed. I have had more conversations in my driveway and other people's driveway in our church about Jesus than I have ever had in an evangelism program going door to door or any church by far we've had more conversations about Jesus and that uh, and so we have these game days that we do where people come to our, our driveway every uh, game day we have two TVs now set up you know why because the guy from India said hey I got a TV I want to donate and so y'all can watch two TVs at a time in- instead of one I'm like okay I think he just did it because he wanted to watch soccer or something I don't know. <laughs> Let's look at point number two, uh, how to extend hospitality. We're talking about including outsiders, but, but, but how do you extend hospitality in the ways that we're talking about here? Uh, look at the next verses here. He, uh, it says, so, so she sat uh, beside the reapers, and he passed the grain to her, and she ate till so she was satisfied and had some left over. And then she rose to glean, and Boaz instructed his young men, saying, let the glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So Boaz not only invites her to eat with him, he has her come and sit right next to his guys, his people, the inner circle, not an inferior place. He's not just tolerating her, he's honoring her by doing so. So she's right there with the close folk. And then he gives her more food than she can eat. It says so much that she had some left over, and she's going to, if you know the story, she takes it back to Naomi. Um, and then after, and you notice when she gets up before anybody else to go back to work, after that he tells the, he tells the harvester, she's like, listen, you're going out, why don't you drop a little extra for her on the ground so she can pick it up and, and, and grab as much as she wants. So we see here, Boaz is not just an example of giving, but it's an example of generosity. Without fear of being taken advantage of. Guess what? It is a risk. When you're being hospitable to people that you really don't know that well, or you begin to pour out, I mean, I have people in our church all the time like, man, we're spending a lot of time, money on meat. 
Man, we're spending a lot of time on, on, on doing these uh, events and putting these things on, uh, what, and we're not getting any return on investment. Hospitality is a risk. This is not a call to be foolish. It is a call to be generous with people, knowing that God works in unbelievable ways to change people's lives when you are generous in this way. And guess what? God's not going to work just in a mighty way in their lives. You're going to be amazed at how it changes yours. We work with a, a group called Bridge to Rwanda, where we host Rwandan students that are coming over and kind of uh, uh, helping them transition from Rwanda to America before they go to college. And people are always like, oh, y'all are so great to do that. And, you know, I can't believe y'all are, you know, all, all those things. And I was like, no, 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 make no mistake. They're the blessing to us. We're not the blessing to them in the way that God has worked in our lives. And he will do that. So here's some things to think about today. We've just looked at how Boaz welcomed an outsider into his community. And it has a lot of ramifications for churches like ours and churches like, I feel like, Central. See, people all over Chelsea and people all over uh, the areas, neighborhoods around this church and beyond are asking questions like this. Where can, I, can I, where can I find a place to just be loved for who I am? Is there really a place where I can just be myself and be accepted? They're also questioning this, whether they say it or not. Is the church a real community or just another social club where people that have a common interest and look the same get together for their little fun time uh, on Sunday morning? That's a question that people are asking. Instinctively, we all know this. Like, what makes for a good community? It's a safe place where I'm included, where I feel welcome and loved, and I know and love others in return. But maybe we need to think about this. Here's the thing that I'm, I'm, we're at a crossroads in our church right now because the very thing that builds good community in our church, that, that real family love that we have for one another, could be the very thing as we've created this tight-knit committee, community that keeps other people from being in that. Because it's so tight-knit. See, strangers like Moaz are, by definition, those that don't share a common interest with what we are. If we're really preaching the gospel, and here, here's, where, here's, the, here's the heartbreaker talk. Here's the come-to-Jesus talk today. If we're really building gospel communities, more and more, we're going to have people that attend our gatherings and attend our churches that are drastically different in their views and their values and their beliefs and their interests, people that don't look like us, people that don't live like us, and it's going to get harder and harder if we're really doing what Jesus asked us to do. And as followers of Jesus, we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because it's messy and it's hard. But here's the secret to the real community. God's not leaving us alone in this. Community is built on Jesus and loving others by remembering the love that he has loved us with, anything else is going to fail. We can't do this on our own. It's just too hard. No church outreach program, no evangelism program will ever make up for this if we don't have this. See, that's the biggest problem with community. It's just that. You don't find community. You create community. It's hard work. You cultivate it through loving relationships. We think about Boaz as a change, and this will change the way we look at the people that walk through our church doors. And we, I talk about this all the time at our church. No matter who they are or what they look like, it changes the way you view. Uh, whether it's the person in the suit and tie that walks in 
or the person with purple hair and ripped jeans, or maybe the guy with a blazer wearing jeans in the pulpit. You know, you never know about this. <laughs> it changes the way we view people. We begin to view them as not just people that are different and don't look like us, but we say, well, this person's made in the image of God, and I'm going to look with wonder at what I can learn about God, no matter how different they look. That's what Jesus is calling us to do there. Our instinct always says, who do we know? Who am I comfortable with? Who looks like me? And that's fine, but we're really not going to ever cultivate real and authentic community through that. Jesus would have us to ask, who can I find in the room this love that may be full of left out? Who is someone I need to talk to that moves me out of my comfort zone? And that's not just church. It's the people around us in everyday life. See, if we really understand this, this is the first reality of evangelism. If you're really doing evangelism well, it's the first reality of evangelism that smacks us in our face and realize how selfish we really are and how uh, inclusive that we really are in my heart. And I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself right now. It's been one of the hardest obstacles for me as a church planner to reach out out of my comfort zone to people that are just not like me. This is the first step. And then we begin to realize it's more about religion, I mean, relationship, than a religious duty to convert people. So here's some things that that I would just uh, start to say here at the end. This all calls us to do this, to to practice uh, hospitality in our lives like, like our lives and other people's lives depend on it. With people that you don't think like you and people that do. With people who live like you and people that don't. People that look like you, people that don't. People that vote like you, people that don't. People that are your neighbors, that you get along with, and the people that want to make you your enemy. Let me end with this. This is a familiar passage that maybe you've heard about in the Bible. This is actually Jesus at a, at a dinner party. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Luke chapter 14. Jesus is talking to the guy that invited him and these other people here. And he had some thoughts to this guy about his invitation that he sent out. And Jesus said to the man that invited him, he said this, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not just invite your friends, your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors. Because you know they're going to invite you in return, and you're going to be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. See, you will never be able to wrap your head around the things that we talked about today unless you remember this. It's the wounds in the body of Christ. The Moabites like the strangers, the disabled, the outcasts, the weirdos, the people that you discount, they are the actual ones at Jesus' table that are honored. And when the world sees that reflected in what we do in our churches and their lives, they will see Jesus because Jesus' authentic, unconditional love is the most powerful argument for our faith. And then we remember this, that we are the outcast and the widows. We are the disabled. We are the people that don't have our theology and our politics together as much as we think we do. And the Father still welcomes us at his table unconditionally based on the work that Jesus did in his death and his resurrection. And when we realize that, as you have often heard it said, we begin to realize that we are all, all 
just like Ruth, just beggars that have found bread at Jesus' table who are called to tell others where we found that bread. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for these words. Look, God, i got to be honest. These words are convicting to me uh, as I preach them, as I study them. Uh, Lord, move us out of our comfort zones. Uh, help us to love with the love of Christ. Uh, help us uh, to not just see people as numbers or just a person to invite, but really as human beings in the way that you see them, made in your image. Give us a, vision, a bigger vision of the people around us in our neighborhoods, people that come to our churches. Give us a bigger vision of who you are. And we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.